This week, what one person did when they were upset with support. Gmail glitch allows for phishing attacks, stopping the infiltration of things. Make-A-Wish website serves up some crypto jacking. Instagram exposes user passwords and... The Dirty Cow is back in an all-new backdoor attack targeting, you guessed it, not WordPress, but Drupal web servers. Jason Wood from Paladin Security joins us for expert commentary, and we'll discuss how Ford is eyeing the use of customers' personal data to boost profits. All that and more on this episode of Hack Naked News. This is Security Weekly, for security professionals, by security professionals. Broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, it's the show that brings you the security news each week. And despite popular belief, we do wear pants. It's Hack Naked News. Do you have a website, an external presence, employees, an office? Any of these things can be compromised and attacked. How are you defending your assets? Have you penetration tested your public assets? Start 2018 by taking a proactive approach to securing your vulnerable areas. Black Hills Information Security has been helping companies find their weaknesses since 2008. Email consulting at blackhillsinfosec.com and see how they can help you sleep better at night. Welcome, everyone, to Hack Naked News. This is episode 197 for November 20th, 2018. I'm, of course, your host, Paul Asadorian. Uh, just a quick announcement before we get into the news for this week. Join us for a webcast with our sponsor, Chronicle Security, titled Intelligence-Powered Malware Hunting. This webcast will be held on December 5th from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. You can go to securityweekly.com forward slash chronicle to register today. And now, on to the news. Support wouldn't change his password, so he mailed them a bomb. The bomb sat in one of their offices for five months without being opened. That part really freaked me out. Uh, it's definitely not the way to handle your frustrations. Uh, the article goes on to say that when police... Asked CryptoPay, who was the company that received the bomb, what could have motivated the attacker to send the company a pipe bomb, or rather two pipe bombs, which is what investigators found when they picked apart the explosive package. The only thing the company could think of was that it had declined his request for a password change in August of 2017. Uh, the customer uh, of CryptoPay emailed their customer services team and asked for a new password. They refused, given that it was against company's privacy policy. A Gmail glitch offers a stealthy trick for phishing attacks. Get out of my sent folder is what I labeled this one. The Gmail issue discovered and outlined by software developer Tim Cotton this week stems from the way that Gmail organizes its folders. Its files and email into the sent folder goes in there based on the address in the from field. So if an attacker sends an email to a target which has been specially crafted to also have that target's email address in the from field, that email will automatically go into that person's inbox and the sent folder at the same time. This gives the false impression that the unwitting user um, that was an email that they sent themselves, which is kind of, that's also pretty creepy, to be honest with you. Um, stopping the infiltration of things. This article was somewhat interesting, and I'm kind of calling out these articles on IoT security as this one, along with many others that I've been reading recently, says the same things 
about IoT security and what we can do to improve the state of IoT security. They call out the big ones, right? We need legislation. We need to overcome weak default or backdoor passwords and address any known vulnerabilities. And while everyone is saying that, what really needs to change is the architecture and design of every IoT device on the market. And this will take time, but realize it's the only way to truly make progress on IoT security. So consider that when you start reading articles about IoT security that really don't tell us anything new. A new security feature has been implemented by Amazon to prevent S3 buckets misconfiguration and the resulting data leaks. S3 buckets by default are not public, and Amazon has also made it easier to identify which S3 buckets are public in your account. However, it's not good enough. This new feature uh, allows account owners and administrators to centrally block existing public access, whether it's uh, made possible via an ACL or a policy, and make sure that newly created items aren't inadvertently granted public access. They allow account users to protect against future attempts to use ACLs to make buckets or objects public, to override or future uh, override current or future public access settings for current and future objects in the bucket and disallow the use of new public bucket policies. Basically, all that means they've made it like next to impossible uh, in your account if you configure it correctly to expose data via S3. Of course, people. We'll, we'll still do it, and we'll be reporting on that the next time that happens. Uh, but props to Amazon for implementing even more features that make it harder to expose your data via S3. Hopefully, it does make an impact. The Make-A-Wish Foundation website was compromised and is serving crypto jacking malware and or what we deem as scripts, right? Thanks to a Drupal remote code execution bug, which seems to be all the rage these days, website visitors were turned into crypto mining machines. The crypto jacking coin, uh, coin imp script uh, check.js was injected into the website and being loaded from the site drupalupdates.tk domain, which has been associated with a known campaign that has been exploiting the critical Drupal vulnerability, of course, CVE 2018-7600, aka Drupal Get In 2, to compromise websites since May of 2018. It seems not many people update their Drupal websites. Uh, a popular Now, we're not going to leave WordPress out of the equation, right? We mentioned Drupal. Now, the next story, a popular AMP plugin for WordPress has patched a critical flaw. Uh, a researcher has disclosed the details of a critical vulnerability in one of the popular and widely active WordPress plugins that could allow uh, low-privilege attackers to inject malicious code on AMP pages of the targeted website. AMP is a plugin to make your page more mobile-friendly. The affected plugin uh, was affected plugin was removed and temporarily from the WordPress library due to the vulnerable code, but neither its developer nor the WordPress team revealed the exact issue in the plugin. So it's a a mystery. Unless, of course, you have a copy of the plugin, which means you have the plugin code which means we could probably figure out where the vulnerability lies. But uh, I don't think any of us really... Do we care that much? I don't know. Maybe you do. If you do, shoot us an email. I'm curious myself. Uh, we would be uh, not doing anyone a good service if we didn't talk about the Instagram flaw that is exposing users' passwords. Apparently, this was a big deal. 
Um, it was in all the news this week, but it essentially boils down to something pretty boring. A security flaw in Inst- Instagram's recently released download your data tool could have exposed some users' passwords. The company reportedly told the users the tool revealed by Instagram, of course, right before the GDPR regulation went into effect, is designed to let users see and download personal data that the social media platform had collected on them. It's just bad news all around for Facebook and Instagram lately. Uh, In any case, there's nothing else to report on that. It's just bad news. The Dirty Cow, or I should say Dirty Cow. I said the Dirty Cow. The Dirty Cow attack is back um, and targeting Drupal this time uh, from Inaperva researcher Nadav Avital spotted the attack on October 31st, exploiting, you guessed it, Drupal get in two, and then use the dirty cow privilege escalation bugs um, and uh, exposed system uh, exploited system misconfiguration to persistently infect Drupal web servers and take over users' machines. The attacker uh, downloads three different implementations of dirty cow and runs them one after the other. Just, I mean, one of them's got to work, right? One of the implementations, the article says, is downloaded in its raw format of C code and then compiled at runtime. It's pretty awesome. Probably shouldn't have compilers on your production systems. It's something we talked about like when I was much younger um, because I'm old now. Once the attacker then switches to the root user and gains permission to install the new service, they install configure SSH, add their key to a list of authorized users for uh, by the service, and as long as the machine's running, they'll always have remote access. It's actually actually a trick I used to use in capture the flag competitions. And some teams would take some time to figure out that I had put an authorized keys file on their system and were wondering why, even though they changed our password, I could still log in. Uh, every day is Black Friday. This was kind of a funny article. Like, brace yourselves. Black Friday's coming. Cyber Monday's coming. And, like, all the next couple of months or next month or so, right, all we're going to see is Black Friday deals, even though Black Friday's one day, Cyber Monday's one day. We're going to have this onslaught. Um, so what this article was talking about are the attacks that associate themselves with this Black Friday, Cyber Monday uh, ordeal. I thought this quote from the article was funny. They say, there are no precautions you should take on Black Friday and Cyber Monday that you shouldn't also be taking on Shrove Tuesday, Dress Down Friday, any given Sunday, National Cookie Day, March Madness, Black History Month, the second fiscal quarter, the lunar phase cycle, or any other time. Now, their recommendations, which I've also added my own recommendations and combined them, um, are to use a password manager, always good advice, an ad blocking plugin, I think that really helps, um, and a DNS service that blocks malicious activity. Using those, you can greatly minimize the chances that you'll become compromised. Of course, those never go away completely. With that, we'll take a short break. Come back with Jason Wood from Paladin Security with some expert commentary. Stay tuned. Today's determined attackers easily bypass even the most advanced network defenses. Trying to ramp up staff to detect their back doors can cost thousands of dollars and take months, even years. With Active Countermeasures AI Hunter, we enable junior analysts to detect even the most advanced back doors in a matter of hours. Sign up for a demo and purchase our product today by visiting activecountermeasures.com forward slash HNN. Active Countermeasures, make every analyst a hunter. Welcome back, everyone, to Hack Naked News. If you're interested in quality over quantity and having meaningful conversations rather than just a badge scan, join us April 1st through the 3rd at Disney's Contemporary Resort for InfoSec World 2019. 
That's right. It's an awesome conference. You should be there. We have a discount code OS19-SECWEEK for 15% off the main conference or a world pass. Jason Wood from Paladin Security, welcome to today's program. Hey, Paul. Good to be back. Yes. Nice to have you back. And we're talking about uh, some data abuse by Ford. There we are. So I think uh, most listeners of the show, uh, shows on Security Weekly, are familiar with the idea that tech companies collect data and use that to make money. But uh, this one took me a little off guard because I don't think of going out and buying a car, providing tons of data to them, and having that monetized. And that's exactly what Ford Motor Company CEO Jim Hackett is talking about doing now. Uh, in an interview on the Freakonomics podcast, Hackett stated, and I quote, we have 100 million people in vehicles today that are sitting in Ford Blue Oval vehicles. The issue in the vehicle, see, is we already know we have data on our customers. By the way, we protect this securely. They trust us. Uh-huh. We know what people make. How do we know what they make? It's because they borrow money from us. And when you ask somebody what they make, we know where they work. We know if they're married. We know how long they've lived in their house because all these things are on credit applications. And this is my favorite part of this quote. We've never been challenged on how we use that. And that's the leverage we've got here with the data. So here are a couple of important bits out of that. One, 100 million people. They know what they make. They know their marital status. They know where they lived, how long they've lived there. And then my favorite quote again, the, we've never been challenged on how we use that. So we know a ton about a lot of people and no one's given us a hard time about it. So score, let's go for it. Um, so did, I, but did he say that uh, how they were going to use the data? So no, he doesn't. Uh, he's talking about using it to enhance their revenues. You know, that one of the issues Ford and other automotive companies have is, you know, profit margins and stuff like that, I guess, competition from other companies. So he's being vague about this. One of the things that was interesting in this article on ThreatPost is they pulled out some other areas where Ford is getting involved in uh, different transportation-related companies and using that. So he talked about their acquisition of Spin, which is an electronic scooter, electric scooter company in San Francisco, California. And his comment there was, the opportunity is not bikes. That's not why Ford's in it. The opportunity is data. Then the data is super valuable because it tells us these invisible paths that people take in this complex city in terms of how they get around. There's something else cool about that is we can take that data and connect it in ways that our new shuttle is going to connect to the cloud as well. Hmm. Um, so, and, and there's some other I just, things that they talk about in here. Yeah, I just, so here's the thing. If they're not telling us how they use our, our data, which includes my data, because I, I drive a, a Ford truck and I'm really nervous, but um, <laughs> well, and they well, say like, hey, finance anywhere. <laughs> we got all this data and you know we're going to do stuff with it and not tell us what that is. We immediately think worst case. Worst case is they're selling my data. To someone else to make money that's obviously the direct uh, path to making money is i have all these people's data hey i can sell it to all their places directly get the check it clears i'm good i made money now that's obviously the worst case let's go to the flip side to give ford the benefit of the doubt if i it, me right if i have a hundred million customers uh and i have their data about who purchased a ford vehicle i'm gonna go through that data do a lot of analysis on it, just like anyone 
should do if you have a business, right? You look at who your customers are, you profile them. It doesn't involve releasing any of their private details or even associating with a person's name, right? I just want to know right. who are my customers, like where do they live, how much do they make, um, you know, all those other factors, right? Have? And you create a profile and say, well, these are the people who are likely to buy our car. So let's go run advertising campaigns to go find more of those people. Doesn't involve my personal data leaking anywhere unless, you know, they get breached or something, right? But there's ways to use the data in a safe way that's not creepy, right? They're just using it for profiling. Um, so I don't know which one or somewhere in between that they're using, but those are just two thoughts that I had, Jason, on how they could potentially use the data, one for really bad, right? Yeah, I mean, some of it I'm thinking is probably somewhere in between. There's obviously limitations on, uh, you know, he's talking in the first little bit about, where people live, what they make, all this other stuff. There's got to be some limitation on what you can do with that type of data. This isn't, you know, hey, we had a cookie and they went to these type of sites and here's sure. the things they're searching for. So let's provide ads related to that. Um, I think it's how you that. it's how you store the data too. Like, if you applied for a loan through Ford, your social security number was involved somewhere in that transaction. I mean, if if they're smart, they're not going to store that in the same place they're doing the analysis. And you know what I'm saying? Like, and how long do they need to keep that for? Those types of, of questions come to mind. I, yeah. And I, I would hope that they would take into some consideration things like that. I, I've, I've worked at some places in the mm. a place in the past that did, uh, ended up with a lot of financial information. And one of the arguments that we had internally was retention of data and stuff like that. And we weren't talking about doing this type of, you know, mm -hmm. re-monetizing data um, or using it to, in some way to enhance revenue streams. And Right. Well, and a lot of colleges and, it, and universities. That data hung around for a long, long time, and it was a lot. Yeah, and a lot of colleges and universities, your social security number was your student ID. Oh yeah, absolutely. That took a lot, <laughs> and I don't, I don't know personally of any universities or colleges that are still doing that today. But having worked in that environment, it took some time to, uh, you know, change all those systems so that wasn't the case. And and they were working on that uh, when I started in university it was two thousand one. So I would imagine that that's not the in in most cases probably not true anymore. Well, at least it isn't with my kids in the schools they're looking at going to. That's good. So that's good. You know, we, we appear to have at least gotten away from that. One of the things though, that came to my mind uh, about this was just how to leverage that data for ancillary or related services. Mm -hmm. uh, take the scooter example. You know, they're tracking that you're taking the scooter and here's the path you're taking through the city and the whole bit. It's a rainy day. Maybe you don't want to take the scooter. So a mobile app that you have or something like that pops up and says, hey, come take our shuttle service instead because it's a rainy day and that would really suck. Um, other things that came to mind is, you know, we've got these in infotainment systems in vehicles now, and you've got GPS related data as to where you're traveling, as they're pinging in on, you know, different locations. Um, this one's maybe stretching a little bit, but you're driving down the freeway, it's about lunchtime, and your, your infotainment system starts popping up some suggestions on places to eat that you like. Uh, maybe the food providers pay to opt into that list or get bumped up on a higher priority list. Right. You know, higher priority on the list rather. Um, you know, as a way to, to, to enhance that revenue. And that's something that, you know, as I'm thinking about, it, it's like, well, that's, that's possible. And I've got my phone popping up stuff at me, telling me, 
hey, here's how long it's going to take you to get home. They're at, you know, my phone is getting that kind of information. So it's not a big step to think the car could do the same thing with the newer packages built into them. Um, one of the things that I thought about this that was interesting, though, is I doubt Ford is alone in thinking through the data that they have and how they could re-monetize it. I did some quick searching around. I didn't find a ton in the time that I had. Uh, but I think companies across a number of different industries are looking at data that they've collected, like in this case, financial data to give you a loan and saying, hey, how can we leverage this to enhance our bottom line to make more money? Uh, it's possible we'll become, as consumers, we'll become less trusting of these companies when we realize that our, our car purchase, our appliance purchase, or something else has put them in, uh, put us into new marketing uh, pitches that we, we weren't expecting. And I don't know about you, but I've noticed the noise level of all these marketing pitches is getting loud and persistent and, and kind of invasive. So, you know, it looks like maybe Ford's looking at getting into that game a little bit. So something to keep your eye out on. Uh, I think this is something to watch is, is like I said, a manufacturing automobile, you know, automobile company is now looking at, hey, how can we use this data like a tech company? Kind of wild. Thank you, Jason. And with that, that will conclude this episode of Hack Naked News. Thank you, everyone, for listening and watching. We'll see you next time.